Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you because I wrote it. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. Here Nick and I are on a Sunday morning. It's easy. Like I, I really wish Lionel Richie would start singing right now, because is it Lionel Richie? Mm-hmm. Easy like Sunday morning. You know sure there is. just aren't good songs like that anymore. Just about you know a chill Sunday. No, <laughs> there's nothing like that. Everything's about like getting laid on a Sunday or like and burning I miss something a good in the strip ground. Club <laughs> hip hop rap. I'm just putting what? that out there. I miss a good Lil John song every once in a while. You know, where they're talking about popping champagne and booties in your face. And I miss those days a little bit. They still, they're there. You just got to know where to look. Oh, well, I'm too lazy. <laughs> I just have my Pandora and I go to uh, Black Keys Radio. That's oh, there you the go. station I listen to. There you go. That's nice and wholesome. I know. I'll just make you a playlist of all like the booty popping music. If a song has the word ass or butt or anything like that in it, it's like my favorite song. <laughs> I like big butts in it. It all started right there. <laughs> that was it. That was the turning point for all of us, I think. I was hooked. Not Sir Mix a lot. Oh, shit. Oh, snap. Can, can you name another sir mix a lot song i absolutely cannot i am alzheimer's years old but no also he is one hit wonders year old years old oh is he okay <laughs> i don't know i mean i feel like that was the era right is that everyone had that one as long as you had one yeah. really good song it didn't matter it's like cisco i guess cisco had two good songs but the thong song was like the song I couldn't do the thong song <laughs> i don't know why there's a, a guy who just recently died had the song about friends. God, who was it? Oh, Biz Marquis. Yeah. Yes. I saw him in a little concert, like, within the last five years. Oh, and, wow. And um, he was a one-hit wonder, wasn't he? Uh, I you think... You say he's just a friend. There it is. I feel like... In a, I think there's, like, two types of one-hit wonders, right? Like, there's the one-hit wonder where it's one-hit wonder in the mainstream where they have... The one song that everybody knows, but then there's the one-hit wonders that have it in the mainstream, but they also like have a fan base beneath them where they're still making music. They still, and I think Biz Marquis was like, he had such a big following. Where it's like Cisco, it's like no one really followed Cisco. <laughs> like, yeah, no one really followed sure. Sir Mix a lot. I guess maybe they did. I don't know. 
Um, anyway. <laughs> brain fart. Here we are on a Sunday morning. Oh, this is Oddity File, <laughs> the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Nick Floyd. <laughs> what a great segue. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Probably my worst yet, but I bet I can do even worse at some point. It's so weird. So you're doing paranormal in the news. I have one window open aside from Zoom and the garage band recording. Usually I have my story, a paranormal in the news, a listener story, all, you know, all over my monitor. But you're doing paranormal in the news. We have no fucking listener story. <laughs> and I've got my story. So I, I feel a little out of sorts. I mean, like I wouldn't even if I had all the windows open. But, uh, yeah. We should just, if we don't get a listener story, we should just find, like, horror movie plots and read them like listener stories until we get a listener story. <laughs> but it has to be, like, the worst horror plot oh, yeah. to entice them to send in stories. I'm just basically going to take all, you know, 11 of the Paranormal Activity movies and turn them all first person and tell them, like, par- like listener stories. I loved the first one. I really did. Just because it was so new and so, um, it was kind of playing homage to the old Poltergeist movie, you know, where it yeah. was just about the jump scares and and then it just got fucking weird. It did. The- <laughs> well, and it's getting rebooted. I think it's either coming out in October this year or maybe like spring of next year. The new one. Is it a continuation or is it just something no. I think it's a reboot. I think it's just like they're rebooting. They're starting over like okay, they do. but they're not doing the same story. No, but it's like how many okay. versions of the story can you do? I mean, that's what this podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh. So a lot. Oh, my God. That cut this way This is 142. <laughs> so a lot. I, well, I still don't know to this day... That and this is just this just goes to show like the internet. I don't know to this day if it's true that apparently the reason why uh, Paramount acquired Paranormal Activity is because it somehow wound up in the hands of Steven Spielberg, who watched it at his house and was so terrified and like things happened in his house as he was watching that he brought the copy of the movie in a black trash bag to Paramount and was like. This movie is crazy. I it's definitely there's some weird stuff happening with it, but we need to buy it and it needs to be released to the world. I don't know how true that is, but I've heard the story over and over. No one's discredited it. Even if it's not Spielberg, if it's just some random director that pulled that, that's a badass story. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's it, it came out around the time the movie like they talked about it a lot when they did press, and it was what I was talking to my daughter about this about paranormal activity and like found footage and all this stuff and and i'll never forget when we saw it back in 2007 they did like mid you know the first run of midnight shows where it was like they sold out everyone piled in to see this movie and we were like probably 50 minutes into the movie which is probably like a 90 minute movie and my sister i saw it with my sister and she she's a horror hound she's loved it horror movies longer than i have and she leans over about 50 minutes in and she's like i feel like i'm gonna throw up we need to leave and I was like, we're not going to leave. This is what fear feels like. Congratulations. Yeah, like, the movie's exactly. doing its Welcome job. Welcome to real fear. Yeah. 
and so she stuck it out and it i mean i think we both slept with a light on that night um and uh yeah it, it was good it, it was still, well I done watch it. Yeah. so i am i'm stoked i got something to look forward to not gonna lie i don't know if, if they can ever live up to that first viewing of the first one again um i think that's n- next to impossible similar with blair witch those yeah. found footage uh, are the shit those are the really scary ones because even though you know it's a movie deep down it's it's feeling so real as yeah. you're watching it it's i i think there's like monster movies and vampire like there are things that are just aren't scary anymore and i think things that will always be scary are found footage movies always if they're done right they're they can be absolutely like gut churningly horrifying mm-hmm. and possession and exorcism movies i think still to this day but uh i think you can do an extra you know possession movie very poorly um and like you know conjuring one and two are 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 proof that you can like do a big possession movie and it'd be absolutely horrifying when done right but i think three leaned into like the blockbustery yeah they had money hollywood yeah they had the hollywood money involved and and all that so yeah it's uh it's interesting to see horror evolve and then devolve over time, which I feel like is the yeah. game that's always happened, which I guess is sort of like how fashion works as well. <laughs> oh, literally, bell bottoms are coming back. Ew, David. Mm. Ew. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Never, ever, ever. Yeah, it's something else. <laughs> yeah. Um. Speaking of horror genre and things like that, what are your thoughts on Rob Zombie and... The ad- is it is it the monsters or is it, it's the monsters right? Yeah, because Tim Burton's doing Wednesday for Netflix, okay. which is Adam's family, and then Rob Zombie's doing the monsters. I I don't know. I'm not a big like after Rob Zombie obliterated Halloween for me. I've never really been in his corner. Um, I think I think his philosophy of filmmaking is anti horror. I'm probably gonna get scolded for saying that but i think horror always from the moment that it was birthed in like the 20s i think horror was always about like look you know or uh uh kind of uh, what's it not show don't tell but it was a lot of it's like the jaws effect right where like you build tension around the thing and the original halloween is perfect like there's really no gore in it um it's just stone cold creepy scary atmospheric and like yeah boogeyman it very it played into that whole thing and then rob zombie's just like how messed up can i make this movie and have you know have him killing animals and torturing and it's like this isn't this is just like unsettling there's a difference in what the original halloween did like how the original halloween still felt like a fantasy movie in a way Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's I don't know. We'll see. Maybe this is his calling card, like Eli Roth doing um, House with the Clock in Its Walls, where I was like, the guy who's doing Hostel's doing a Nickelodeon kids movie with Jack Black, and it was great. It was so good. It was so good. So my thoughts on Rob Zombie, one, are, I don't love all his movies. Yeah. I finally watched Salem's Lot, and it was just, it was too much. It, it, It tried to be too much. Any of his Halloweens beyond the first one, not my cup of tea, but you give me some devil's rejects. Mm-hmm. You give me his Halloween, and here's what he does for me. He gives me a backstory 
and makes people scarier than even the biggest of boogeymen could ever be to me. And that's what I appreciate about those two films. Um, Rednecks terrify me because of Devil's Rejects. Not gonna lie. (laughs) Sid Haig, until the last time I saw him still, I was just like, you know, man, I don't know if I can trust you. And Bill Mosley, same thing. Um, The way he gave Michael Myers his backstory and how his life was so fucked up that turned him into a serial killer instead of AKA the boogeyman was more terrifying to me than strange guy in coveralls and a mask, just killing people for for no reason. Yeah. Because that's real life shit. When your family fucks you up so much, you become a serial killer, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think, I think, I feel like there's two types of people on in the Rob Zombie. Like there are the people that aren't really for him who like me who I enjoy like if you can make something that's very clearly like fantasy, which is like the original Halloween, and it actually be effective from a horror perspective, you've done a great job. Because the I've always thought the most terrifying thing in our world are other people, like our other humans. I think that if you mm-hmm. hit that hard, which a lot of um, like racially driven horror films that like what Jordan Peele's doing and what the new Candyman, like they they are capital, like they are really focusing on that the true horrors of the world are people. Um, Agreed. And <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And it's you know I think it's why like Get Out works so well, and I think why what I, I haven't seen Candyman yet, but what a lot of people are saying about Candyman of why it works so well because it's like. Blending the fantasy and like the harsh, the harshness of this real reality kind of fucked up world we live in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's, you know, if Rob Zombie can do it and it works, like Devil's Rejects, I remember that being such a big deal because it was so, it would be silly and almost like fantastical and over the top. And then it would just get real raw, real dirty, like real, <sighs> real fast. Like, I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> Holy shit, they just did that. Um, My take on horror is I'm not a fan of the Jasons. I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of the Michael Myers. You give me a Freddy Krueger with personality, and that's my scream. That's my jam. There needs to be a little bit of realism to it. Uh, Granted, Freddy Krueger, there's not really any... Uh, unless you s- suffer from sleep paralysis with a guy in a closet on your chest, whatevs. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I, I I was not allowed to watch horror movies for a very long time. I remember only watching them at friends' houses, at sleepovers. I mean, good reason. Good job, mom, because <laughs> I would have nightmares for weeks. Yep. Um, I saw Friday the 13th at a friend's house, and I believe the first Nightmare on Elm Street as well. And, you know, I there's just something about a snarky, sarcastic serial killer. I still love Robert England the most to this day. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's what was so great about Scream. I feel like they paid homage a little bit to the the Freddy Krueger where the serial killer was actually a smartass as well. Yeah, I had just watched Scream for the first time maybe six months ago i bought oh, all what all three and i watched all or four or three four i watched all i bought the blu-ray box set or whatever and watched okay. them all maybe it was october i think it was around halloween because i got it on sale and i think i watched it 
October of last year, which feels like uh, yesterday because of where we're still at in the world. Um, but yeah, it's the first time I, I had seen it. I I was mad at myself, but it's 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 weird. It's like what you know, having movies you watched growing up as a kid, like Willow and Labyrinth, and and uh, Never Ending Story, and like you share it now with somebody who didn't grow up with it. Scream yeah. has been parodied. It was such an important part of pop culture that it's been parodied a million times. The ghost face mask has been seen in everything. And watching it now, it's a, I feel like it's a different experience because it's I've seen it everywhere. I saw Scary Movie before I saw Scream. Oh, my goodness. So... It's like, you know, I had these and like all the big actors. It's it, I feel like the experience I had watching it and, and having never had seen it is different than people who watched it either when it came out or around the time it came out. I don't know, but it was it was it was a cool experience to watch it now in 20, you know, 2020 yeah. last year. That's super interesting. I believe I rented it from Blockbuster the first time I saw it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, and it's it's been cool to meet some of the cast over the years, and how um, how and some of them went on to be freaking superstars, and like Matthew Lillard's just finally coming into his own. It's it's amazing. They're they're good people, except for fucking Jamie Kennedy. He was an asshole to me, and I will hold that grudge for the le- the rest of my life. Oh yeah, um, he, he got <laughs> he got busted for doing some crazy like conservative movie thing and uh it was a few months ago and he couldn't talk his way out of it and everyone's like wow he's definitely an, an asshole of a person <laughs> welcome to my world um yeah. what was i gonna say there's one more i wanted to bring up real quick but i think oh 13 ghosts it is spooky season people it's time to start watching scary movies if you have not seen 13 ghosts that is a beautifully beautifully done film yeah that was like the period of, God. I feel like there was a stretch. It was it was early two thousands. It was it was early. That was the early two thousands, right? Maybe late nineties. I'm not sure. It was either late, late or early, and there was like this stretch of like three years where it was like thirteen ghosts, ghost ship, uh, haunt, uh house on haunted hill. Uh, or All we, the remakes. Was it the ha- the haunting? The one with Owen Wilson, which is still like such a fun movie. To watch is the haunting. I don't, I don't know that I've seen that one. Or I think it's the haunting. But there was just this amazing stretch of just wild, crazy horror movies that came out that were just like pushing the boundaries of like bargain bin movies, but they weren't bargain yeah. bin movies. Horror, like the bar, you know, Saw. I think Saw is, I think, what capped it. I think Saw was the the end cap of this insane few years that we got. Like, I want to say it was maybe three to five years of horror movies that we had yeah. come out in the mainstream. And I, they are just, you know, I, I just saw, um, bones, I think is what it's called with Snoop Dogg. It's like the vampire movie. What? Someone was, guys, we should all it. be writing these down. There's, <laughs> we need to do maybe when, when spooky season officially starts, I think it's like two weeks away that we're out of summer and in the fall. Maybe we should do some, like, five recommendations for people to watch until yes. Halloween. Because there's going to be enough. <laughs> so we have oh, plenty to work absolutely. with. Absolutely. 
I think I've pretty much stated all the ones I highly recommend, but I'll, I'll go into the banks and uh, do that. Yeah, let's plan on that. Your for weekly sure. recommendation, your weekly spooky season recommendation. I did watch a little more evil. Mm. Speaking of my weekly recommendations, I watched one. It scared the shit out of me, Nick. You know what it was about? The fucking elevator game. I've never seen a show touch on that. That's something that just in the back of my head is like, oh, that's so terrifying. Oh, yeah. And it was. (laughs) I need to watch it because I know that's that's one thing you're very passionate about is you're passionate about rakes and you're passionate about the elevator game. Mm -hmm. I know those two things are very (laughs) those those will do it for you. Yes. Yes, getting goosebumps. You mentioned the R word. I've got goosebumps. Works every time. (laughs) I need to give that a watch. And I gave the cherry something something. Cherry flavor. Oh, yeah. I like it. I'm not going to lie. As a woman who is divorced a man for abuse, when that guy was choking that poor girl, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this anymore. It was rough. It's, they they yeah. get pretty real. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's a trip of a show, but it's like it's one of those things where that is the catalyst for I don't know, I feel like the the perspective that's like the first episode, right? First or second. Yeah. That that is the thing that sends and you know it all takes place in the nineties, so this was an, an era where there was no hashtag me too. No. And it is, ba- I mean, that is what sends the show down the path and turn and like turn kind of turns her into this baby, witch that then goes down. But yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's such a crazy show and it's also very difficult to recommend to anybody. Yeah. I haven't um, gotten to two gory parts, but it's already a, a, a psychological game in my head, which yeah, is, yeah. It's, it means it's well-written. Episode one is probably the most different feeling because it's setting up the characters and it's setting up obviously like how messed up Hollywood was slash is and men in power and how like how messed up that is. And, and and then episode two is when all the, when the show shifts and gets into the fantasy elements and the witchcraft and all that. But I was like episode one, I'm like, this show is different than what the trailer and then episode two hit. And I was like, nope, this is the show that the trailer said it would be. Who plays Mama Witch? She sounds familiar and kind of looks familiar, but I can't put my finger finger on it. Catherine, the Catherine Keener. What is she from? Uh, she was in Four Year Old Virgin. That's it. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, it's that voice. The voice was, but I mean, it's been twenty years. She's aged a little bit, so yeah, she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, yeah. And what's the name of it again? Brand cherry new cherry flavor. flavor. Yes. Okay. I, I if if you. If you want to cringe, do it. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's a very, very difficult. Like my sister's an animal lover, and I'm like, I want you to watch it because it's it's a it's a definitely a like a, a talking point. The show, and I don't think it's gonna catch on. I, I mean, maybe in like a year, people will be trying to find something to watch and they'll stumble upon it. But it didn't really hit at all with anybody. And it's a it's a conversational show. Like I could probably spend multiple episodes talking about the show with somebody. Yeah. Because it is it has a lot to say. Uh, it says it far better and it's than it's not most... afraid to say it. No. It is it's like the Netflix that was like 
sure. If you want to make this show that sounds insane on paper, go ahead. Like, let's do it. Just, just do it. So yeah, it's again difficult to recommend, but once you kind of get through the rough first episode, everything after is very disgusting. But it's very like fantasy revenge, taking down horrific the man. people. Yeah. <laughs> Taking down the man, aka horrific people. <laughs> it's it's got a very girl power vibe that I am. I will finish it for sure. Yeah. Um, we are already twenty five minutes in. We've got time today because uh, did you guys did I mention there's no listener story? In case I forgot, there's no fucking listener story, people. So um, oddityfilescrew at gmail dot com. So we're gonna talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Just kidding. I'm gonna cut all that out. No, I'm not. But (laughs) yes, I will. Let's throw it over to Jess so we can find out what real life horrors are in store for us next week. (laughs) Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Misfortune on Moody here with your weekly energy forecast. This week's forecast is very front loaded because there's nothing doing in the big sky for most of next week. But this Labor Day weekend is jam-packed, so let's dive in. Saturday the 4th features a trine between Mercury and Libra and Saturn retrograde in Aquarius. This is a great day for mental heavy lifting. Attention to detail will come naturally, as will concentration and a sober frame of mind. If there are serious discussions to be had in your life, today's the day to get them out of the way. You'll see why in a minute. Sunday brings a square between Venus and Pluto retrograde, both at 24 degrees of Libra and Capricorn, respectively. This energy is the only real snag in an otherwise beautiful weekend. Venus square Pluto brings shadowy tension into the realm of relationships. Think jealousy, obsession, power plays, ultimatums, and all things toxic. This aspect is also known for bringing sudden and intense love affairs that seem all-encompassing, but eventually descend into abuse and even violence. Better to steer clear of romantic attachments on Sunday. Monday is bananas. We have the Virgo new moon and three separate trines perfecting on this day. So the sun and the moon meet up, then we have Mars trine Pluto, Venus trine Jupiter, and sun trine Uranus all on the same day. Trines are soft aspects that create flowing energy, so we like them, but they're notoriously lazy. Meaning when there's lots of trine energy around, people tend to let it float right by because they're too busy enjoying themselves to realize that they're being given an amazing opportunity to manifest with relative ease. Mars trying Pluto gives courage and determination to succeed, no matter how insurmountable the obstacle. Venus trying Jupiter adds a heaping dose of optimism. And Sun trying Uranus increases intuition and is an agent for positive change. So for the love of all things holy, if a situation arises on Monday that calls for you to step out of your comfort zone, step the fuck out of your comfort zone and trust that you will be rewarded accordingly. And finally, this isn't a transit per se, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't flag Mercury's entry into the retrograde zone, which also happens on Monday the 6th. From September 27th through October 18th, Mercury will backtrack from 25 degrees of Libra down to 10 degrees. And that's when all the astro wannabes will start crying about Mercury retrograde. But you weirdos aren't astro wannabes anymore. You've been listening to me drone on about astrology for a while now, and you're the real fucking deal so you won't get caught with your pants down this time. Start paying attention on Monday, because when Mercury enters this pre-shadow on that day, the retrograde cycle begins. You're looking for an issue around the way you think, the way you communicate, or the way you move through your life. Bonus points if that issue arises in the context of a partnership, since this retrograde goes down in Libra. 
If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneonmoody.com. I offer many different types of astrology and astro tarot readings, and I'm now conducting sound healing sessions for those of you in the Boston area. You can also help support my small business by checking out my shop where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For horoscopes, flash sales, and an intimate look at what a shit show my life is, come find me on social media at Misfortune1111. Ciao for now. JK, hopefully that wasn't bad news, but who knows? The world is falling apart. Anything's But Nick's got some paranormal in the news, and I'm super stoked about it. I do, but really quick, and I know we've already walked away from it, but I have to know because I don't watch it, but American Horror Story, new season, have you watched it? Can you give a very quick review i have not um i i didn't see that dennis o'hare is in it so that definitely makes me want to watch it i usually will wait till it's done and i'll binge the whole thing yeah i'm uh i i've learned after i I stepped away from american horror story and came back into roanoke and then got duped with the the twist so to speak so now i'm a very like i'm gonna wait See what happens, and then I can, yeah, I can, I can decide. And because this is a double feature that's dealing with vampires and aliens, I'm gonna give it a few episodes to make sure there's no shitty Ryan Murphy twist. And if there's not, I'll tune in. I love everyone that's in it. Macaulay Culkin's in it. Uh, oh, I saw that too. That's exciting. Yeah. So I just, I was curious if I could get your review, but yeah, no, I always, I always let them build up, and then I watch them all at once. You're where I'm at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, good. Exactly. well we'll talk about it in a couple weeks then uh, cool. um, so this paranormal in the news is a little bit different than what we normally would do because this came about uh, as I was scrolling through Twitter late last night and saw something that was very engaging and uh, didn't really have anybody talking about it uh, no one was hmm. liking it retweeting it which is crazy because normally this stuff catches fire but I guess at the time it didn't so uh, a Twitter user at Jeremy Sw- Smiles tweeted uh, on the 27th of August, today is the 29th, saying, Hey Twitter, prompt time, what's a felony level crime you've committed that you've never been caught for? Oh, and fuck. of course, everybody is responding very humorously with like, oh, you're a narc, like, oh, this is definitely the FBI, like, this is silly. But there was one person who is at underscore ninja underscore Jesus who responded 24 hours ago, well, 23 hours ago now, with a thread that had me very uh, engaged very late last night. So I figured I would read Ninja Jesus's response Please. to what happened. Um, so I'll fly through this really quick. So they said, Back when I was a teenager, I worked at this rundown motel. Rent by the hour kind of place, you know, the sleazy kind. I worked the desk and checked in the guest. Nothing extraordinary. Get cash, give key, fuck off. Easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so easy that I stayed on for three years. That's the longest I've ever stayed at a job. Would go back to it if I could. So anyway, we had our maids, uh, our own maids, and they were good at their jobs. They cleaned up everything from cum stains to dead old men who gave up the ghost mid-pump. Oh my god. What I'm giving at is they were good at their job. But there was one room they refused to clean. For whatever reason, an outside company came by and cleaned this particular room. I was getting paid to eat nachos and listen to muffled orgasms, so I didn't ask any questions. 
This isn't to say I didn't notice things were off about that room. I'm lazy, not unobservant. Not once did I give the key out for that room, but every day I'd see anywhere from 8 to 30 people come and go from the room throughout the day, and every day the cleaners came. I was like, where's this going? There's something happening here. (laughs) So one day, my last day, I I get a call from that room, and the person on the other end is screaming all hell at me. Insults, threats, cursing. The dude said that the room was trashed, that if the room wasn't clean for the next guest, I would be murdered. Oh my god. Yeah, zero to 100. Now, usually when people want to murder me, it's my fault. So this had me shook. I calmly spoke to the gentleman and told him I'd take care of it. I knew that our cleaners had to be better than whatever doofuses they brought in, so I didn't sweat the cleaning too much. But... They really sweated the cleaning. They were panicked and refused. I didn't blame them. They rightfully did not want to be a part of whatever shady shit was going on in that room. Maybe they knew more than they were letting on. Doesn't much matter now. So, I take it upon myself to clean this room. I've cleaned before. No big deal. So I walk into the room and through the window, I see that the cleaning crew all getting into their cars and leaving. This did not inspire confidence. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, listen, I was compelled by this when I was reading it. Now the room is trashed. Hockey team won the Stanley Cup trashed. I frantically gathered up everything I could, threw it in the adjacent room to save time. Better to piss off people who haven't made threats against me, I figured. (laughs) I mean... It's good logic. I get the bulk of this done in about ten minutes. Everything in the main area was finished, so I just had to do the bathroom, and I'd be out of there and nobody would know but me and Mr. Phone Man. I open the door and see that this bathroom is different than the other rooms. It looked more akin to a fast food dish area. The floors were gray linoleum, and there was a large drain in the center. Instead of a tub and shower, there was a high-pressure nozzle. Not quite a power washer, but the closest you could get without blasting your skin off. The the sink had an uh, attached eyewash station. Now, not to overshare, but I had been eating some of those aforementioned nachos. While I agreed with the nachos, they did not agree with me. So we came to understanding and parted ways. So I, I love this guy's writing <laughs> technique. It's so good. The storytelling's fantastic. So I blast this duke into the, this mysterious crapper in this sleazy-ass motel room. I finish my business and flush the toilet. Or I would have, but this being a model I'd never seen, I didn't know how to. There was no handle, button, or switch. <laughs> I started to panic. I ran, grabbing a plunger, and did my best to force it down. To my horror, the mess sprayed up like a disgusting brown geyser. The toilet began to shake. I figure I'd clogged it (laughs) and had trapped some air behind the blockage. I went to the closet and pulled out a wire hanger. I unraveled it and used it to snake the drain. I immediately felt the clog. It was soft but firmly stuck. I got a bottle of drain cleaner, then returned to the toilet and emptied the bottle. I didn't know you couldn't use drain cleaner in toilets, and I further did not know that you shouldn't plunge while the drain cleaner is in, and this is when my real troubles began. Oh my god. This is going somewhere, I promise. So I'm plunging my heart out, hell-bent for leather. Finally, I feel the pressure released and everything go down. The shaking stopped, and the issue seemed to be fixed. I washed the backsplash down with the sprayer and used heavy cleaner to mask the smell. I did a quick once-over, and everything looked good. Everything was going smoothly. 
Then the cleaning van showed up. Two huge men get out of the van and walk into the room. As I left the door ajar to air things out, they see me and they start in on me worse than the phone man. I explained what had happened. They didn't care. They began checking over my work and making sure everything was up to standard. Real white glove shit. Thankfully, it was all good. Then they checked the bathroom. So they began asking me what I did with the toilet. I explained everything in detail. (laughs) Their expressions getting graver with each word I say. When I was explaining, one of the men walked over to the toilet and opened the lid. He let out a shriek and fell back, his mouth ajar. The other man grabbed me by the collar and brought me over to get a closer look. I couldn't believe it. It was so surreal that I couldn't help but laugh. The toilet was smiling. Pink gums and stained teeth grinning from the bottom of the bowl like a shit-eating Cheshire cat. Someone had dropped their dentures in the toilet. I laughed harder. The others weren't finding humor in it. They'd begin trying to fix uh, fix a toilet and were in no mood. They pulled off a side panel from the toilet. It wasn't porcelain, as I thought, but plastic. They pulled a small internal latch, and the toilet pulled out from the wall like a dresser drawer. A maintenance feature, I figured. Then they pulled him out. The dentures that I'd been amused by earlier were not dentures at all. One man grabbed his legs, the other his arms, and pulled him to the center of the bathroom. The smell no longer masked by the cleaner. He was a middle-aged white man in a blindfold and clad only in his blue checkered boxers. His sandy blonde hair has a touch of gray, When the blindfold came off, I saw the rest of his face and instantly recognized him as a local news anchor. His lips were nothing but a frothy pink foam now. His gums blistered and peeled, exposing the roots of his teeth. His throat was an oozing sewer pipe flowing into a cesspool. Blood, acid, and lightly used nachos made a foul halo around his head. I ran. I ran in my car as fast as nature would allow, and I drove the fuck off. And I kept driving, and I didn't stop. I left all my shit behind, never picked up my last check, never paid my last month of rent, just ghosted. I have no idea if what I did is legally actionable. I didn't stick around long enough to find out. I could be a fugitive and not even know it. The fuck? Yep. What a story. I so I'm trying to visualize all of it, <laughs> all of it, literally. But the uh, wow, either yep. somebody has one fucking hell of an imagination, but I secretly hope it's real. I mean, how I I don't know how old this person is. Um, I did a little bit of digging on Twitter, but the fact that they said that they were they were younger, this was years ago. We don't know really the location, but regardless if this is just a made-up twitter thread story sure it's starting to get more traction but i was like this is this is actually this is actually insane yeah like truly well when he said he stuck the the uh coat hanger in and it was soft i was like oh maybe it's like a, a cryptid story i was trying to figure out where it's going news anchor would have been my last choice yeah <laughs> the thing about it is I don't think, and this kind of shows how messed up everything is in the world. There wasn't a moment where I was reading it that I was like, nah, this couldn't happen. The fact that 
this is a, a motel as as this person this mm-hmm. user described it with a room where people meet they don't rent it out they have their own cleaning crew i fully believe that's a thing that exists i mean there are some fetishes out there we've all never heard of nor will ever understand yeah but if there's just saying <laughs> if, if there's like a safe space from someone who owns this hotel and it's like a space where these elite people or mafia or whoever come and meet and like off one, a single person like if it's a meeting room and they kind of made this decision and are trying to deal with it a news anchor as well it all just makes oh see i went the complete opposite route with dominatrix and <laughs> oh that it was like a freak thing and they accidentally yeah killed yeah 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 for i mean it, it could go either way literally in this day and age it could go either way yeah i don't know but there's something to, to think on. Yeah. And you just kind of accidentally happened upon it. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's huh. it's wild. I would love a podcast or a show even. I, I probably could do a show. A podcast would probably be more. I would love to hear stories from people who worked in the hotel business like a years confession ago. time? Yeah, like yeah. a hotel confession from the maids to the managers to whoever. People who have moved on, who've worked for motels, hotels, holiday inns. Holiday inns. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I would love that dearly because I do think there's a lot. I mean, my dad worked in the hotel business for a very long time. Uh, my dad has a, a quite a handful of stories that are quite I'm insane. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that would be... Story time would be fascinating. Oh yeah, that'd be anonymous. I, I, I kind of want. I would love a, po- a, po- a podcast where you can call in anonymously and and just kind of just get that shit off your chest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because who can you I tell? Mean, like, what do you? Who do you? If you if you lived yeah. with that and mm-hmm. you were holding it and it made you kind of feel crazy for so long. I, there's got to be like a place where it's, you know, a safe space to do it and you're like protected and yeah. Yeah. Hotels are <laughs> something Can't else. Imagine. Cannot even imagine. Uh, th- well, thank you for finding that. That is super interesting. And I will most likely have a nightmare or two <gasps> over that story. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my job. I believe. You go first this week, sir. Do I? Well, I ended up going first last week, and you were supposed to, but I went first, and then you told your story. Did we record one in between there? Was last week the kerfluffle? It was the kerfluffle. Holy smokes. Well, okay. Everyone's like, God, he's talking way too much today. No, I love it. (laughs) This has been a super interesting episode for me. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to read this one relatively at a higher speed than normal. Uh, This one is a little lengthy, but this is actually one of the few times where uh, a story is happening happening in our current society, which is great. I'm glad we delayed because this was actually on a show called 48 Hours on CBS. Okay. And it's a story that's been 30 years in the making, and they uh, did a reveal and they dropped the story, and then the reveal actually came on Wednesday. So if we had recorded on Tuesday, I wouldn't have an end to this story, really. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it happened, you know, it was a big big thing that happened, even though it was, but it wasn't, and, and you'll find out 
what I mean by that in a second. But this is this comes directly from CBS News. Erin Moriarty, uh, she's a cor- correspondent who wrote this story specifically. And yeah, and I'll just do a quick little update at the very end of the story as to what was revealed, um, which, you know. This is literally breaking news. Breaking news, even though it isn't. It is, but it isn't. You know, you'll, I, again, you'll, <laughs> you get it. You'll, as soon as it hits you, you'll be like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Imagine the shock and fear of finding in your mailbox a poison pen letter from someone who claims to know your deepest secrets. And what happens when the letters continue and your friends and neighbors begin receiving them too? It may sound like a plot from a thriller, but in fact, a very real flood of anonymous letters terrorized a small town in central central Ohio for nearly 20 years. And the letters didn't stop even after a man went to prison. Today, the question of the identity of the mastermind behind the poison pen letters continues to divide the town of Circleville, where many people still believe the wrong person went to prison. I take a look at the case that is the subject of numerous podcasts in the Circleville Letters. Okay. This is the story. We've talked about letters, anonymous letters a lot in the past, in news and in stories and all this. So I was like, did I tell this story? Did you tell this story? No, it's just another fucked up story about some secret letter mailer. (laughs) I am in it for a fucked up secret letter story. (laughs) I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, just 30 miles north of Circleville. Not me personally. I'm assuming this is Aaron Moriarty. (laughs) A quaint town best known for its annual pumpkin show that attracts, according to the town's website, more than 400,000 visitors a year. Let's go. 100%. Let's podcast live from the Pumpkin Show in Circleville, Ohio. Fuck yes. Nowhere on that website, however, is a mention of the other event that also put a spotlight on the town. The campaign of menacing letters that began sometime in the late 1970s. The mainly handwritten anonymous letters initially focused on Gordon Massey, the married Westfall School superintendent whom the writer accused of having an affair with a school bus driver by the name of Mary Gillespie. But soon... Gillespie herself, her husband Ron, and even their children became the target of, a, of letters that grew in number uh, over time. Nearly everyone in town either received a letter or knew someone that did after several years of this going on. Crazy. The vicious tone of the letters seemed out of character for Circleville, a Midwestern community where many residents uh, place family, faith, and football above everything else. It sounds like a Midwest town. It really sure. does. It's like, in a nutshell, the perfect description. <laughs> the Pickaway County Sheriff's Office investigated but turned up nothing. People began to wonder who would take the time to crank out letter after letter to frighten friends and neighbors. Was it more than one person, male or female? Could the writer be that person behind you in the grocery line or at the post office? And would the letters actually lead to violence? Life and the letters went on for years in Circleville. Then the writer began supplementing the letters with signs posted in town and along Mary Gillespie's bus route. Oh, fuck! On the afternoon of February 7th, 1983, Gillespie was driving her empty school bus on the way to pick up students when, as she told police, she saw one sign posted on a fence. She stopped, tugged at the sign, and discovered it was attached to a box trailing twine. After taking the box home... She says she looked inside and was shocked to discover a loaded gun. 
sheriff investigators determined the handmade device to be a booby trap that failed to fire. Oh my God. <laughs> this is insane. This is insane. The alleged attempted murder of the school bus driver became a huge story in the area, like it would, because it's a tiny town. And even bigger news was the man who was arrested and charged with this crime. Mary Gillespie's brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. What? <laughs> Paul? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. The arrest shocked his family and friends. Freshour, a manager at the Anheuser-Busch facility, had no criminal history and lived outside Circleville. Pam Stanton, a longtime family friend, thought investigators had the wrong man. Quote, Uncle Paul was not this cruel, callous, wannabe murderer, she said. It, it's just preposterous. Freshour, however, had become a suspect after the gun was traced to him. Feels like a pretty simple thing to come if you're gonna do it i mean yeah that tells me it's him (laughs) like he wanted to get caught yeah yeah uh and although he denied setting up the device and told investigators that his firearm had been stolen weeks earlier from his garage did you report it yeah nope not my first attempted murder uh story here yeah you know exactly that's the first thing you do if a firearm was stolen you report that right away oh fuck yeah you're gonna get framed for murder just like this (laughs) His fate was sealed after investigators spoke with his estranged wife, Karen Sue, which is a very Midwestern name. She told them that she believed Freshour was, in fact, the Circleville letter writer. In October, and she's just bringing this up now. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I knew, but I didn't want to tell anybody unless I was asked. That's, that's a very Midwestern, like, it, manner type thing. Yep. Instead of saying sorry when you cut somebody off in the grocery store in the midwest it's oh yep <laughs> so it was you know i wasn't gonna say anything but since you brought it up <laughs> <laughs> oop oop in october of 1983 fresh hour went on trial for attempted murder it was not a strong case there was no physical evidence that tied fresh hour to either the gun or the device it was found in and fresh hour had an alibi for much of the afternoon when the alleged booby trap would have been placed on the fence Yet after two document examiners testified that the handwriting found on those anonymous letters sent to Mary Gillespie could be Fresh Hour's handwriting, he was convicted and sent to prison. What? Yeah. Just, what are your thoughts on handwriting analysis? I, I'm, I'm borderline. I don't. I don't think it's like legit evidence. It's. I. I so I read a transcription of the episode that aired. Of this, and not to jump ahead, but that's sort of that they, they brought in someone who specialized in hand, one of the best handwriting analysts uh, in the world. Okay, I don't know. I think that handwriting is so tricky. After watching the Netflix documentary, "The Murder Among Mormons," who mm-hmm. the guy with the forgery, that really set something off for me. Where I'm like, you had all of these professionals who were saying that this was real, and it was a guy who was forging. He if mastered you practice hard enough. You can do it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Although Freshour was convicted of attempted murder, investigators believed he was the man behind the poison pen letters and that the long reign of terror was finally over. They were wrong. The letters did not Surprise! stop. Surprise! <laughs> Paul Freshour was locked away, but the onslaught of anonymous threats continued and continued even after a frustrated prison warden put Freshour in solitary confinement. One letter was even sent to Paul himself. <laughs> it's 
ridiculous. Still, authorities continue to insist Freshour was behind the letter campaign, suggesting he had an accomplice outside the prison. It was another ten years before the letters finally ceased, around the same time that Paul was released from prison. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's his estranged wife. Go ahead. It could be somebody. So was he the Circleville letter writer? Until his death, Freshour insisted he was neither the writer nor the person who put up the booby trap. An analysis done by former FBI profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole as a part of a 48 hours investigation raises new doubts about whether the case was solved with Freshour's conviction. O'Toole, who in her career with the FBI helped profile notorious criminals like the Unabomber, describes a person who doesn't appear to fit Freshour's public persona. She believes that the anonymous Circleville writer had a serious personality disorder and enjoyed hurting others. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah, no shit, Sherlock. She suggests that those around the writer would have seen the callousness, saying, quote, that the, the need for that kind of power, control, the need to dominate, the need to scare people pre-existed these letters. Okay. Human nature. More importantly, O'Toole believes the person behind the letters who went to so much trouble to stay anonymous likely would not have taken the risk to set up the booby trap. Instead, she says, quote, I think there's certainly a possibility that the booby trap was put up by somebody else who took advantage of the situation. O'Toole's belief that the writer could be someone other than Paul Freshour calls into question the testimony of those handri- two handwriting experts at the trial that linked Freshour to the letter. To the letters. So 48 Hours asked forensic document expert Beverly East to do a brand new analysis. This was actually for the show that was airing okay. uh, on August 25th. After comparing a selection of 49 of the anonymous letters to Paul Freshour's known writing, East says she's confident she knows the identity of the Circleville letter writer. Saying, quote, I would go into court and swear on the Bible on the evidence that I found. And that ended the story that teased the Circleville letters and all new 48 hours airing on a special night, Wednesday, August 25th on CBS. So we jump ahead and we skip everything that happened, the investigation. If you want to watch the show, you can. But essentially what it boiled down to is Beverly East was asked. It was all about a G, that the way that... that that uh, Paul or whoever wrote a G was strange and there were numbers and all this stuff. And while East admits there are writing patterns in the anonymous letters that don't look like Paul, after showing 48 Hours almost 100 examples of his distinct quirks that she was able to identify, she's convinced one person was responsible. And who is that person, you might ask? Please tell me. It's Paul Freshour. Surprise! That's the really? big reveal. She says that 100%, I would say, she, and this is her quote, I would say one person wrote all these, and the one person is this person. And Aaron Moriarty says, Paul Freshour, and she says, Paul Freshour. And that's it. Did, did she say why? It was a whole thing about letters. No, I mean, why she, he did it. Oh, why? Yeah. I, I guess it aligns with Was he in with love the, with his sister-in-law and was pissed? She was having an affair with somebody else? I guess it's the still the assumption that he was just there and uh, the, all the letters are insane. Like, I think he viewed himself as this, like, protector. 
that he was like the watcher of the of the town he was trying to like rid the evil from the town the things that shouldn't have been happening that were happening oh so a god complex yes which leads into his the the idea that he had you know split personality and there were fingerprints as well uh that paul's fingerprints were on about a dozen of the letters that were postmarked while he was incarcerated which is crazy um doppelganger there are maybe there are pieces that just weren't explained at all uh and even the fbi profiler who i talked about uh mrs o'toole she said she can't explain a lot of this like the letters can't be explained the decade that fresh hours in prison and there was like a phantom rider can't really be explained all of this stuff but no one truly has ever been charged so uh to wrap it all up Paul Freshour was actually never charged for writing the letters. He was only charged for the attempted murder of our friend bus driver. Wow. And the case is closed. I mean, what what law is he breaking by writing the letters? Did he threaten people or was it just exposing secrets? It was... It was threatening. Um, so, like, one specific that he wrote that Mary Gillespie read says, uh, Lady, this is your last chance to report him. I know you're a pig and will prove it and shame you out of Ohio. A pig sneaks around and meets other women's husbands behind their backs because families and homes and mar- or causes families and homes and marriages to suffer. So it was a very, like, God complex. I'm going to threaten you to do the right thing. Yeah. But he was never threatening violence. So there's... So he just, like, stepped all around the actual law. <laughs> yes. It's it, it's very strange. So anyway, I recommend watching the 48 Hours for the full story with the hate mail that's there and all that stuff. But in a very digital age where YouTube comments are more threatening than some of the things that he was writing. Literally. Literally. It brings a lot into question. So it's almost like this morality tale, but it does seem like a very God complexy type thing predating the internet. And uh, it's very strange. So yeah, the fact that they never really found the writer. I don't know. And it may or may not be this dude. Who's dead now? Wow. Yeah. And there's some other pieces as well that I could have made this a two-parter. His son was, like, affected by this and took his own life. And, I mean, there's far more to the story uh, than than what was presented. This is very surface level. So if you're interested, please go watch The 48 Hours. Please search for it. Um, It's a very relevant thing. You can find it very easily with a Google search because it just happened last week. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it, it sounds like, okay, if it was this guy with this God complex, it's, it's, is he, is God telling him to do this? Is the, are the demons telling him to do this? Is it the ghosts telling him to do this? You know, it's, it could be anything. Yeah. Wow. I really want to hear his side of the story. Yeah. And it was the eighties. I, I think that like the psychological investigation of certain people who were doing things like this like we've seen many times in the past with different serial killers and uh you know with like truman capote and and what he sort of went on the front lines to to dig into as far as like people who did really messed up things i think the psychological aspect wasn't explored nearly as much 
I mean, it's really not nowadays. Anyway, like we don't really talk about this the psychological kind of well-being or lack of well-being of people who do really messed up things we we that's what intrigues me about true crime honestly i want to know why that is my thing i want to know why they did it usually it's one fucked up childhood yeah it's a weird thing to this among many things it's a very weird thing to me that when you finally find somebody don't you want to know motive like isn't that your job to investigate but if they caught the person it's like no 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 we're done like, we got it. It doesn't matter why this person did it. They did it. Yeah. Would you want to stop it, it, it in the future if you found out it, why they did it? Literally. <laughs> literally. It's like the whole plot of Minority Report. On that. Yeah. When I was doing the... Exactly. When I was doing the Miss Murder podcast, that was my thing. I wanted to know... It was, it was women killers because, you know, that's more often than not, it is a man. Uh, but I wanted to know... I ended each story, or at least at some point in each story, told what what brought them to this point in their lives. So that's what intrigues me the most. And I think most true crime addicts like myself, I've actually had to to pull back a little bit on it because it was it was getting a little overwhelming for me. Yeah. Um, hence, good bones instead of ID network. But it's a lot. It's. And it, I'm not the only one. I mean, there's so many people just obsessed with why, 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 why. Yeah. So well, I that, love that. That always leads me to believe that, and this is like, oh, is this, is this a true crime story? Yeah, sure. Is there some sort of paranormal aspect that can be twisted? Absolutely. I think Absolutely. that the fact that the there there was a point, there was 12 years of like ghosts of phantom letters. I think that yeah, maybe... There's a world, and this is a little far-fetched and stretched out, but I will say this, that maybe there is a uh, an angle that maybe they don't want to explore the psychological elements because maybe there is some sort of supernatural thing that they don't, they didn't go to school for it. Criminal investigators right. didn't go to school and have three months of supernatural, you know, paranormal explanation courses or right. whatever. Like, they didn't do that. That's nope. not that takes away from what they're doing, the work that they're doing. So maybe there was some shit that was said that they're like, "We're just gonna leave this alone. We got him. He's gonna do his time, and that's it." Uh, yeah, and absolutely. If it, if there was a, a paranormal underlying anything to it, they would not bring it up on CBS. Nope. <laughs> nope. Kill it with fire and move on. Yep. Exactly. That's demon shit right there. That's that devil shit. Exactly. That was an amazing story. I love it. It's a little close to home. I mean, literally, like miles wise. But <laughs> that was that was insane. Um, wow. Let's throw this over to some com- commercials, is the word I was looking for, and we'll uh, I'll come back with a story, not nearly as interesting as yours. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there. And the store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. 
So guys, have you heard of paraboxmonthly.com? Get ready for this. It's kind of cool. Every box contains an amazing soft style paranormal t-shirt and a content card. These items also contain a hidden password. Okay, once discovered, it'll open up a new mystery online. How cool is that? If you can solve their challenge, you'll be entered into a monthly drawing for free merchandise. So cool. So here's all you need to do. You head to paraboxmonthly.com and add promo code oddityfiles. And you're set. Check it out. It's paraboxmonthly.com, promo code oddityfiles. Check it out. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much, just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash ofchewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash ofchewy. My dogs will thank you. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shutter is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bonescoffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. That was that was great. It was absolutely amazing. And I'm kind of upset I didn't watch that. I'll have to see if I can find it on 
line somewhere. Such a good story. Um, my story, we're heading to your neck of the woods, Nick. Oh, shoot. To the Sunshine State. Oh. I actually did a search for true crime paranormal stories, which led me to this, which has some true crime elements on it that I really didn't touch on because I went a whole different... This has been my life lately. I went a whole different route with it. But we're on the same page. But in full circle mode, this is a haunted hotel in uh, Florida. So we're heading to your neck of the woods, Nick, to the Sunshine State where the mouse and our favorite Nick both reside. We're headed to Cedar Key, Florida, specifically to the Island Hotel and Restaurant, which is known for its accommodations, hauntings, and a little true crime. Oh my. And that story goes a little something like this. Cedar Key is a tranquil... Starting that over. (laughs) Cedar Key is a tranquil town in Florida's north Gulf Coast. I believe it's outside of Destin. The Island Hotel and Restaurant is there and was built in 1859. The colonial-style hotel, which is on the National Register of Historic Places, is an ideal place to unplug from the world in more ways than one. Haunting claims of the hotel are a plenty, and the current owner even claims a portal is, exists in room 29. God damn it, I can't speak today, even more so than usual. <laughs> so that would explain a lot if there's a portal in room 29. There's said to be a spirit of a nine-year-old slave boy. He died right before the end of the Civil War. The boy had allegedly worked at the location when he was caught by the manager putting something in his pocket. The manager chased him out the back door and the boy was never seen or heard from again. Alive, that is. Another haunting is that of a Confederate soldier. It's also said that during Prohibition, a prostitute was murdered in the hotel and allegedly a gentleman who stayed in that room any gentleman who stays in that room where the prostitute, the sex worker was allegedly murdered, gets a peck on the cheek before going to bed from a very friendly ghost. And former owner Simon Feinberg, who converted the property from general store to hotel in the early 19th century, is uh, also said to haunt the hotel. And then there's that portal. That belong, that room belonged to Bessie Gibbs, a cheerful soul who owned the inn from ni- the 1940s through the 1970s. And that's just a few of the hauntings that are going on there. But if this place is a portal, I'm sure there are more hauntings popping in and out from time to time. So now it's time to look into the reports of these reported sightings. And it's been a hot minute since I've looked on travel sites for reviews of haunted locations. It's usually a trip and a half. So here goes nothing. From TripAdvisor, Deborah ATL gives the hotel five stars and says, Island Hotel has a long and interesting history. It's been a general store, brothel, speakeasy, post office, and a hospital during the Civil War. And now it is a charming hotel. The thick, tabby walls and wide plank floors just ooze history. The furnishings are nice in keeping with the old-time feel. Sleigh beds, antique dressers, claw-footed tubs, upper balcony with rocking chairs and a wicker porch swing. The atmosphere here is wonderful, 
until the sun goes down and the ghosts come out. I've stayed here twice and was not able to get a decent night's sleep either time. I'm not particularly psychic or into the paranormal, but this place made me a believer. On my first visit, I woke up freezing with a very uneasy feeling that someone was in the room. On the second visit, I felt the bed move as if someone got up. I heard footsteps that just trailed off into nowhere. I woke up a second time hearing a woman whisper my name close to my ear. My cousin in the next room said she felt someone in the room all night and didn't want to turn the light off. When she finally just drifted off to sleep, she was awakened by the bed shaking. We both heard a baby cry off and on all night, but when mentioned it the next morning, we were told there were no guests with a baby. Cold spots, knocks on the door with no one there. It's just plain spooky. I love how it's kind of a down-to-earth, it's definitely haunted, but nothing, you know, like crazy off the wall happened. Just, right. you know, it's definitely haunted because weird things were going on. Yeah. Um, this one comes from FloridaHauntedHouses.com. No name to go with, but the review says, Stayed here in the early fall of 2014. I didn't know it was haunted until I read a notebook the hotel put in the guest room about the historical inn. We stayed in the, the former owner slash cook. Was that Venus? Did you hear that? Is there a dog in the room with you? There is. Was she whining? Oh, I think so. Okay. I freaked out because I don't see any dogs on your camera. And so I'm like, uh. She's right here. It might be because I'm talking too much. Let me let her out real quick. Hold on. <clears throat> Come on, let's go see Danny. I know mommy talking and you're trying to sleep. Come on. As I Google the as I Google the hotel to look it up so I have a visual. <laughs> She's like, Mom, you're talking too much and I'm just trying to sleep over here. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with the guy's review from the beginning. Okay, stayed here in the early fall of 2014. I didn't know it was haunted until I read a notebook the hotel put in the guest room about the historical inn. We stayed in the former owner slash cook of the hotel's room. All the rooms are a little different, decorated to match the turn of the century. Some have clawfoot tubs. Downstairs is a gorgeous dining room on one side and a lobby and bar on the other. After reading about the various historical people who've stayed here, I started to get really scared. <laughs> there are supposed to be four different ghosts, the original female owner and her helper, a Confederate soldier, and the young black boy who disappeared later, found dead in the cistern. Not sure what a cistern is, but something else I read, it was in the basement. Mm, I mean, some sort of Florida-type basement situation. Yeah, waters in it or something. The Wi-Fi was supposed to be available in the room, but it wouldn't work. I mean, hotel life, am I right? Um, <laughs> my ex walked all over the second floor and out to the balcony and still could only get a slight signal. Interference of some kind, possibly the portal, made it impossible to get a good signal. I had a very difficult time sleeping there. I had my covers pulled up under my chin, and I scared myself silly. Kathy with a C writes on hauntedplaces.org. My family stayed in rooms 27 and 28 in 2003. We experienced hearing footsteps and the sounds of furniture moving 
or things dragging across the floor all night long. We got up several times to check the common area and nothing was there. It was truly spooky. I thought I'd be somewhat comfortable with paranormal activities since I knew no one had ever been hurt by the entities at the hotel, but my reaction was different while in the midst of the activity. Our overhead fan was rotating, also, although it had not been turned on, and once we left the room, my husband forgot his camera. He went back to get it, and the cupboard doors were standing open to the nightstand chest. He tested the doors, swing, and it did not seem able to open by itself. Must have had some help. Chilling. On the same site, Chris with a K says, I stayed in room 23, had a bottle of sunscreen, just fall off the nightstand at 11.55 at night. I was laying in bed, playing with my phone, heard the noise and looked over and the sunscreen was rolling toward the corner of the room. And then Kathy with a K on this exact same site said, my husband and I stayed in room 34 and I'm a believer. He wasn't at the time that night after midnight, my husband asked me if I saw the white cloud or white smoke go through the room. I said no, and he still insisted he saw it. I believe him because I woke from a sleep and just missed it. Then I couldn't get back to sleep. About 3.17, I woke up and saw lights under the door and wanted to check in the parlor, but I couldn't get my husband to go with me, and I was too scared to check it. But I'm sure something was going on. And the final firsthand encounter for this story comes from backpackverse.com. Ian and his wife believe they were visited by the mysterious dead girl while staying in room 28 of the hotel. It was their fifth wedding anniversary, and the couple decided to celebrate by staying at Cedar Key for a long weekend. They had caught wind that the hotel was haunted and didn't know room 28 was a favored location by a spirit. And I quote, After a romantic dinner, my wife and I spent time lounging in our room and eventually fell asleep recalled Thomas. I had a couple of scotches with dinner and was admittedly inebriated when we finally went to bed, he added with a soft laugh. Anyway, I woke up in the middle of the night, still slightly intoxicated. I felt my wife wrap her arms around me. She started kissing my cheek and my neck very affectionately. I murmured in approval and wrapped my arms around her when I suddenly hear my wife yell out my name and turn on a light. My arms were still up, and yet she was all the way across the room with her hand on the lamp. So his arm was still propped up on what he thought was his wife when she was all the way across the room turning the lamp on. And I said, how did you get over there so fast when I was just touching you? You weren't touching me, my wife. Nope, that's a whisper. Okay, You weren't touching me, my wife whispered, looking frightened. (laughs) I shook my head incoherently. Of course I was. You started kissing my face. But my wife just looked at me and slowly shook her head. She had fallen asleep in a chair and had remained there until she heard me murmur in the middle of the night. What? That's when she called my name and turned on the light. I told her what I thought had happened, and she looked incredibly creeped out the rest of the night, Thomas said. The next morning, she insisted on finding a different hotel to stay at. It's like, okay, you're going to bang a ghost on our anniversary, honey. I cannot have this. <laughs> what if We're I didn't going turn the light someone on. else. What I if know, I didn't it's... turn the light on? I would have interrupted something else on our honeymoon. 
<laughs> Literally. Okay. Um, the next morning, she insisted on finding a different hotel to stay at. While she spoke with the concierge, I stood looking out at the water, ashamed. It didn't say that, but I'm imagining him just kind of going, oh, shit, I still don't know what happened, but I feel really bad about it. <laughs> um, that's when I saw the apparition of a woman standing on the beach, not 20 feet away. I don't know how I could tell it was my late night visitor, but it was. She disappeared within a few minutes. That vacation to Cedar Cay is one I will never be able to forget, nor will his wife, I'm assuming. So there you have it, kids. The story and some real life firsthand stories of people being hard quotes haunted there. If you want to check it out for yourself, the hotel's website is islandhotel-cedarkey.com. It looks, as I looked it up as you were talking, because I needed to get a visual. Mm-hmm. And it looks relatively big. I mean, it's two floors. There's a balcony. There's hot breakfast, all this stuff. And there's only 10 rooms. And the 10 rooms are like 23, 27, 28, 29, 30, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36. And that's it. Like, Where are the 10s and the 1s? And why are those is, secret rooms? Yeah, why is 24 and 25 and 26 missing? Why is 31 missing? And why do they start at 23? So weird. I want to go, though. It sounds magical. I will say I read some of the actual legit reviews. And, you know, you've got your assholes to say, this is this building's so old, the walls are so thin, blah, blah, blah. It's like, don't stay in a historic building if you can't handle the old. Yeah. You know? But others were like, oh, they kept the charm of the olden days and this, that, and the other. So I just hate people. Uh, we got to rent out the whole hotel. Rent out the 10 rooms for like one night on a weekday and just go there and live stream and podcast. Oh, totally. These... From the room with the portal. You don't know who's going to pop up on this podcast. <laughs> that would be, if they have like solid Wi-Fi, I mean, there's only two of us and there's 10 rooms, but that would be so much fun to like set up a live stream. You be in one room and I'm oh, in another yeah. room and we have our headphones on and our Zoom on. And we can yes. set up like a live stream where we just podcast throughout the night and talk about that would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll have like the odd box going off in the background. Oh my God, that would be magical. I'm just alone. <sighs> I'm alone in one room by myself. Just like, I'm just, just me hanging just out. Just me. <laughs> You'd have to have something, some sort of pieces of equipment in your room too. Just me, oh and, my, my God. me and my open mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Bigfoot steps through the portal. <laughs> oh, that would be it. That would be the moment. Well, kids, that's our show. Again. That's it. No listener story. No listener legends. No listener babysitter stories. I'm so disappointed. So very disappointed. I do love it how it's been the people that have sent in stories from, you know, the beginning that are still trying to send in the stories. But you know what? I know other people are listening to this freaking show because I watched the numbers. I see you, it statistically. The new guy, send in your story. There, I'm done. <laughs> but huge shout out to our executive producers, Donald Blanchflower, who is currently in the path of 
a hurricane, so I hope you are well. Doug Maldenlock, Ryan Hoke. If you guys want to check out all our stuff and all our things, head to flow.page slash oddityfiles. I'm Kitsy Duncan. Where does the new cool... Did I do it right? Yep. Sweet. And I'm Nick Floyd. Ghost on. Ghost the fuck on. And write a goddamn story, okay? That. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Head to flow.page slash oddityfiles for all things oddityfiles. Links to our merch, links to our sponsors, links to all the things oddityfiles. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you spreading the word. Please don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Again, all things Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. Theme music provided by James Grice. Edited by me. Take care. We'll see you next time. No, you won't. You'll hear us next time. Bye.